This is Ryan. Hey, and this is Wayne. This is Kill the Rabbit Podcast. We, um, let's see. We probably shouldn't say we, we took a break the last, because we've been doing that so often. No. It's kind of like it's a quarterly meeting. It's never a break. It's always a, I didn't do it. Um, so this week was good. I'm adjusting. My boss and our team lead is moving to another team, so I got put under another team. Which is good, because the other person I worked with was like, well, what's going to happen? And I was like, well, we didn't get fired, so that's a bonus. And I work from home, so I was like, I don't really want to risk anything with that. So then other people were like, well, we need to look for other jobs. And I was like, I don't know that that's a great idea. Just because you don't know what's going to happen. So like, don't jump off the boat before you know. And no one's firing you. You know, the dumbest thing is to quit. Or I was telling this to somebody the other day when I started. Well, when I ran my first business, it was everyone that runs businesses when they're young. You know, it's, we got to go all in. you got to quit your job. And it's the only thing you do. And it's the only way you get successful. And I don't know how much I believe that anymore. I think it's just that you have a problem or at least for me, when I was younger, it's harder to focus, so it's easier to, like, put yourself in a situation where it's easier to push yourself. Whereas sure. now that I'm older, I think you kind of master, or you get better at doing things in a smarter way. Right. So, hmm. um, that's going well. It's still up and coming. I think we're switching languages to Go, which sucks, but Go is a marketable skill. So, I'll have Python and Go. So who, who uses Go? Google. Uh, Google wrote Go to do stuff with their servers since they have like cloud storage stuff. So they wrote Go. Um, I don't know what specific reason, but then it kind of got out there. I think it's open source. Yeah, it is open source. So you open source means that you can use it to do stuff with and not have to pay royalties like you have to buy Microsoft Windows. So Go is just free, just like Python is free. Let me reveal my ignorance for a little bit, I think, maybe, but isn't that kind of like what Red Hat was, or Linux was open source for a while? Linux is open source. I think Red Hat, it charges for um, maintenance, or updates, or they get around somewhere there. I think that, no, I'm sorry, I think you have to pay for that. But Linux itself is open source I think and the problem that you have with open source in the very beginning companies like big companies didn't like open source because in the old days you had proprietary software so why would you just say let's give it away for free so then all the young hipsters started doing open source stuff this all stemmed from like github so GitHub is really the main catalyst for this happening. Remember when I did the hackathon in mm-hmm. California? Remember the dude I met, the CEO of GitHub? Right. That guy. So because of his idea and his company, it encourages sharing of code. So because of that, you can write a program about photography, and I can take your program about photography and say, I want to add something to it, so I'm going to fork it, which means I copy it, and it's, it splits it. And then I add my own enhancements to it. And then someone else can come along and say, hey, that's cool. I want to do something with that too. So it's all about sharing knowledge and code. Because what you learn is Python is open source. But just because something is free doesn't mean you know how to work it. So like a company may want to do something in Python because of all the benefits of Python. Um, It's platform agnostic. So you you can run it on Mac, Windows, Linux, whatever. Whereas if you try to run C sharp across operating systems, it gets a little hairy. And I would think just if you didn't really know what you're getting into, if you were going to throw all your eggs in one basket and put your company's stuff on a particular software program, mm-hmm. you, you'd want to know it's going to be around down the road or you'd want to know that it's going to be supported. Yes. Or that it's easy enough if you had to switch to another one that it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Absolutely correct. 
And that's why companies didn't jump on the bandwagon when it first came out, because they wanted it to build enough support. Because there's so many programming languages, they go in and out of style like nobody's business. Now, if something like, um, take a PHP, which I've heard rumors that it's coming back, it's a very, very old language. So if you have a company and all your code base is on PHP, as PHP dies, you lose talent opportunity with hiring new engineers to come and do stuff to your code. So that gets very expensive if you have to take a 5 million line program and have to rewrite it in another language. When you rewrite it in another language, you're a slave to all the nuances and problems of that language, and then it can create a huge mess. So, all that is to say, I'm going to go. <laughs> Program and go. <laughs> Program and go. But it, it it's fine. It It's a hot language. I don't really... I love Python more. I think Go has its... Like, things that you do in Python that are very simple, uh, in Go can be... You have to write a lot more stuff to get it to work. Whereas Python is just, why make it hard? And that's my mentality. So, so why do you think Google did that? Because they are like a trillion dollar company and if anybody got see remember android yeah the android phone so android runs on android operating system well android is like a framework written in java so google picked it up because they were like it's open source so i'm probably butchering this but for the sake of argument they took it and said hey anybody can use it we're just going to release these updates on our phones so they basically effectively like owned android and then android people came and said hey you can't just not pay no i'm sorry because android is a framework in java java sunset like sun systems that made java came and said you never paid a license for the software like for some some stuff like that so they got into a big debacle so then that's why google will say we have enough engineers to just write our own language hmm. and then just to Thumb and thumb their nose at them. They said ours is open source and you can use it. So, so I mean, Google, if they're going to do something, they can do it. So you're not going to stop them in court, even if they paid you a billion dollars. It's nothing for them. Yeah. So that's what happened there. So they probably wrote Go because they maybe they liked Python, but they didn't want to get into that mess again. <laughs> so they did their own thing, maybe. So going back to this switch on your uh, current job to a different manager. Have you actually talked to this guy at all? Or? Yes. So my new manager, um, I really like him. He's very uh, transparent. He's very, uh, he communicates very well. He tells me everything that's happening. So like he's like, I don't believe in one person holding the key to everything or having all the information or you don't have clearance for that. He's like, I tell you everything that I know because you're the one that's going to end up doing the work. I don't do work like you. So like you have some managers in our company that will still do programming and he does not. He's like, my job is to delegate everything to you, keep you informed, keep the, keep the demons at bay with upper management and project managers and product owners and UX designers and all those people that want to like come and take your time to be like, Hey, can you look at this one thing? And they do that a million times. So that's his job. So I like how he communicates very effectively. He, he lists out, this is what you can expect from me. This is what I expect from you. Uh, these are the things that are happening. These things are unclear. I'll get more feedback on this. This guy actually has management skills because that's exactly what he should be doing at his level. Yes. Rather than when you're promoting upward from within the ranks and the guy still wants to program, he yep. still wants to have his fingers and stuff and still wants to micromanage, he loses sight of the fact that now that you're at that level, you're to run blocker for your people. You're to provide all the things that they need. You're to, you know, keep them informed, yes. give them cut the red tape if you need to, whatever needs to happen to, to help your people be as productive as possible. That's the role of that manager. Well, and it's a difficult thing with re, with engineering. As you get high, it's like, I'm a senior engineer. So my next step would be management or, like, architect. So, like, 
the people that design systems that then hand that work down to senior and, and senior engineers and engineers and whatever to build stuff. You, I don't know that I would necessarily like doing architecture, and I don't think I would necessarily like doing ma- – I would hate management. No, I, I was going to say I don't see you in management just Mm-mm. because of what you love to do. You either love to manage people or you love to create things. And mm-hmm. um, doing doing both would be – it would be a, spreading yourself too thin. Right. Well, and in this circumstance, it's nothing against my old boss because he was amazing. But when you when you build something and you and another person, let's say two people build something, and you kind of – you're responsible for it, and then it goes into production, meaning you have live customers using it. Now you're in charge of developing it, managing it, troubleshooting it, and supporting it. So any issues that come in, you're the only one that knows how to deal with it instead of – you can tie the manager's hand by saying, I'm not going to give you headcount so you can't hire more people. So if you can't hire more people, then you can't disseminate knowledge, but then it, it just makes it very difficult to manage. And like, you can't manage, write code, do trouble, like all that stuff at once. It's impossible. So you have to like delineate, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, like from the beginning. So this is a problem that just happens naturally, at least from the experience that I've had. So I love the new boss. I think he communicates really well. I like that he tells me everything so that it's not a surprise. So you know what's expected of you at this point? Uh, He says because I'm a senior level engineer, he expects me to be very involved in the planning and architecting and solutioning things and delegating things down to other engineers. So I said, you know, I'm down with that. That sounds cool to me. I don't know Go, but I'll learn it. So the higher you get up in engineering software stuff, the more you realize that it's just a language. And so the way it does logic branching is probably similar to other languages. They have slight nuances. Then you start to view them as like tools for different things, right? You don't use a hammer for a saw's job. Right. But when you're younger in your career, you kind of adhere to one language over another because you're trying to master it. Well, I feel both I feel very strongly about Python because I love the language, but I think I have to remind myself that when I started Python I hated it. So I was like this is dumb. Now I'd never coded in Python so I had no idea what I was talking about. So I have to remember that and remind myself of that time because maybe I'll feel the same way about Go. Cuz Go does have some advantages over Python in certain arenas, not a lot, but for processing stuff and all kinds of stuff that's like way beyond what I want to get into because it would just make your mind <laughs> go numb. But it, it can be faster in certain things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going good. The scheduling is going better. I've been working out a lot. Uh, the diet's going good. Diet is it's rough because you constantly have to like fight it because you don't want to eat You'll like, get, like right now I'm really hungry because I, so I'll eat like a green shake, which is like all vegetables. And then for fat during the day, it's either like turkey or cheese or I'll do something heavier in the morning because you have to, all the day, all the daytime to process the food. So that's helping with uh, being more productive with work. And so then uh, Quasmopod's been going well. I, um, the realm I haven't touched yet, but it's on the list. It's right behind Quasmopod. Now I'm doing the thing with the kids, with the RFID stuff again. So we're kind of putting feelers out to engineers. Um, the partner that I have is like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, we, you know, sound the alarm and ask everybody we know. It's like, well, what about telling the secrets? And it's like, listen, if I told you, the answer is heart surgery. You have to know how to do the heart surgery to steal my idea. And that's a very extreme example. I'm talking about if I told a person to build this business, it's five steps, 99.999% of people wouldn't do it. Right. Because people are so lazy. And not lazy, it's, they have other priorities now. And their threshold for pain when something gets hard is very, very low. 
So the fact that you think that by telling someone your idea, number one, I'm not naive to think no one's ever thought of this. Well, even some high-powered groups, like there was that one company out in California, I think, when you were doing something with your uh, cousin, Brandon, mm-hmm. that had a great product but really didn't know how to market it. Mm-hmm. So it's the brilliant guys, brilliant ideas and yep. all that, but there's so many different facets to getting a product out on the market. Yeah, and you're talking about like a hardware solution. Software is hard enough, but you're talking about a coupled compound hardware-software solution in a field that I'm not comfortable with. So we've been reaching out to all these electrical engineers about like all kinds of stuff, right? And we're getting good feedback. But I said that's, but as for myself, my maturity and leadership as as I've matured as a leader through my life, I've realized there's things that I can do. There's things that I can't do. And instead of before in my life, I tried to be master of everything. So we're like, no, I'll just build it myself. No, I'll just do this myself. No, And you start to learn, like, not only are you in a world of frustration, but most likely it's not going to happen because you're just going to get too frustrated with it. Like, it's not taking a win if you build on something someone else built, and there's still a lot of problems there for you to fix. And you can go back, when you're rich... You can go back and do everything custom yourself. I guarantee you won't do it. So I said, right now our plan is contact every electrical engineer that you know. Ask them these questions. Wait for feedback. If we have nothing, if it's dead in the water after six months, whatever we tried. But I know there's solutions out there that do what we want it to do. So I know it's there. It's just how do we get there? How do we, like, you know... I know we'll have to build custom stuff eventually, but like, how do we, like, we're trying to cut, we'll cut costs later. Right now, even if it's $500 a unit, do it. And we'll figure it out later how to cut the cost. And with Quasmopod, it's beyond idea stage now. So now I'm working on, <laughs> this is funny, this is not only for people that I'm sending it to so they can review it to think if it's a viable thing or how, not that it's viable, but like what other ideas do you have for the product, but for my own self to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like explaining what it is as I'm writing this down, it becomes apparent that it's not, it's complex. So it's not easy to just say, well, it's like Uber. It's like, it's not. And it's not like Uber, but you get my point. Yeah. So I've been writing my product overview, um, and then I'm building a module to give away for free as a service to people to use for like three months, and my pitch is use it. If it doesn't save you time and money, drop it, but if it does, I have some other things that you may be interested in looking at to pay. And you could use the feedback to know... Yeah. How to tweak it. Because what I'm thinking in my mind is going to be the thing they use is, like, not. So I have to tar- I'm have to. i targeting the things that are the most painful things for people to do, like small, medium-sized businesses. Invoicing, they hate it. So, like, build something there, $20 a month to do some type of invoicing automation. So the gist around it is that it builds an API automatically and automates things in your business without you needing to hire a software engineer or buy some huge product where you're only using 1% of it. Hmm. So wow. I'm writing all that down now, and then I'm like, oh, well, let me just build the test. I'm gonna... So before the free module, I'm building a test module because I'm building it in AWS. So you need to make sure that all of the connections work, right? So I was like, cool, I'll do that. And it's like, how? Well, you have the module, and then you turn it on. How does it, what does it look like? What, is it, what does that even mean? Okay, well, I'll build the back end, like in maybe Python, Django, some stuff up here. And then how does, does the customer interface with it? It's like, oh, through a REST endpoint. It's like, no one knows what that means. So yeah. they needed graphical user interface. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess, I, so I have to build both ends just to test the connectivity between them. But that way you have something, like with my wife, I don't tell her anything until I have something tangible that she can actually look at because she can't visualize it. Right. Most people can't. They're going to be like, that's great, but she I don't know what that means. She sweetly looks at you and smiles and says, yes, dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds so, amazing. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. But. So it's just like Realm with release one when you get down to brass tacks of, 
So for release one for Realm, you want to hit the button, it goes all the way through the network, turns the light on, and notifies you that it's on. That seems simple, but all the architecture and infrastructure and all the coding and all the electronics and stuff behind it, it's not. But it's foundational to other stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting that Quasmopod has come out. I've realized that I can't I can't name the product Quasmopod because that will not do very well with people because if they don't know what an API is, small, medium-sized business guys don't want to fiddle around with like frou-frou names that I don't know what that means. Yeah. And some, and some of the things that come out have been so basic like home or uh, mm -hmm. but just 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 a very easy word to remember it has no meaning in and of itself necessarily or or it may like google or monster but yeah. a, a term that um just just make it very simple and or at least i uh, i was thinking like at least like shorten it to quasmo something if you want to keep that in there right or like q labs or you want to do something but as far the company you name whatever you want the company will be Quasmoport, quasmopod incorporated no one will probably ever see that that umbrella company the product itself has to be that has to be something different it, it can't just be like you know instant api your client base isn't going to know what an api is they're not even going to know what automation is they just know that they have a bunch of grunt work that they have to do every day that they wish they could just they don't like they don't know that the solution they need is automation. Okay, I got an idea for a product name. Quaz Q U A Z. Quaz. When you think of the term quad, people have heard of quad before, but that would be you know, mm -hmm. four type of thing. But like something simple like quad. Well, not even that. Think so take Quasmopod out of it. Okay. Anything. Uh, uh, like if I could sum up the product in one word, it's automation is the gist. It's taking something that you manually do. So you go and, and you pay your bills online, right? This module pays your bills for you. Well, wait a minute. Time out. I, that's why I'm not on auto bill pay because I don't want to just taking money out. So the module is, hey, are we cool to pay this one? Are we cool to pay this one? Are we cool to pay this one? Those little steps in between. You know, your mother would love that because that's exactly the reason she doesn't want to go on automatic taken out of your bank account. And I don't either. And they tout it as like, it's technology. And it's like, whoa, bro. I just don't want to give free reign to somebody. Even if I even if I know I have to pay it, I want some type of validation or some type of approval. So think that when I'm talking about modules. Because then you could, because like, for instance, my life, my uh, car insurance, they'll give me a break if I go on uh, coming out of the bank. Auto pay. I could do the auto pay and your mom would be fine with it if she had some kind of a heads up. Yeah, and so even if it wasn't an approval, even if it was like, because they take it out at different parts of the month depending on whatever. So, like, if the module was to check, like, when it's actually coming out and then just told you. Um, so, like, with invoicing is, I was thinking, I I was in the vein of, like, I'm, a, I'm trying to envision myself. I'm a small business, right? I do everything myself. I'm the secretary. I'm the accountant. I deal with the problem. I have a friend. He he signed up for a, a certain domain for his company, like at mycompany.com. So with those, typically you'll get an e some email accounts that you have an option to buy. So he named it Ryan at blank.com. That's the guy that deals with support. There's no guy. It's him in a different email account. But it's all about what it looks like to your customers. If I come out there and I say, uh, oh, well, I'll get back with you. Well, how many people are in your company? Uh, oh, you know, I have a few people that are working. Like, you have to spin it that way. Otherwise, people are like, wait a minute, it's just you? Why am I going <laughs> to ax the 15-person company that may not be doing a good job for the one-man show? If you drop dead tomorrow, where am I? Right. So, it's small, and I know because I did it myself. So, like, small businesses, they kind of have to, it's a ragtag group of school of hard knock people that you do what it takes to make the dollar. And if you're driving and visiting with clients, you're not available to deal with problems. So, most people that I talk to, it's either troubleshooting is the major, is 80% of their time. Because 
in the world of software, in the world of any product, I don't sell you a product and then you say, thanks, bye, I don't need to know anything about it. Unless you're like some major label thing with like stack over all kinds of online presence, free to Google, and like those chatbot systems, those aren't cheap. You don't have that. You're a small business. So as soon as I sell you the product, you're going to be calling me tomorrow to ask me, how does it work? What do I do? When am I paying for that? All that stuff, right? That takes time away from you to be making another sale. So what I'm talking about is anything and everything you can possibly imagine to automate, not everything, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about coming in and building you a custom software solution that costs $200,000 to revamp your business and you go broke because you paid me $200,000 and that was all the money you had. I'm talking about something $20 a month, take it or leave it, and you can turn them on and off as you like, and you control that, not me. So I'm not selling it to you. So you just go, I kind of want to do this type of automation. Oh, well, there's a module for that. Just turn it on. It's $10 a month. So then you're getting in the region of like $60 a month or $80 a month or whatever a month you want to do. You want to turn them all off, it's $0. And then you get into more advanced orchestration stuff and how the modules talk together. You could build an entire workflow engine from what I'm talking about. So you could run the business by yourself without having to hire other employees, secretaries, or engineers to do automation. And it all, the more money you make, the more opportunity there is for more automation. Hmm. But that's it, it puts it puts the horse before the cart. The point is, for you to pay for more modules, you need to make more money. So if my product doesn't make you more money, say bye-bye. It doesn't make any sense. But if it does make you money, it will make you excited, because now you're saving time, even if you're, time or money, either, doesn't matter. Hmm. If I'm a small business owner and you save me an hour a day, I'm interested. You bet. Because I don't have to do it, and it's free, and guess what? It's not a person. So it works 24 hours a day, doesn't get sick, and you take it or leave it on and off. There's no so, contracts. So back of a second, where are you at with this whole idea? So where I'm at right now is first the test module, so the front and the back. So literally you click it on, and I want to see it go through the entire system. Because in the cloud, I want to make sure things are secure and all this other stuff. Then it will be working on the, the free thing. Mm -hmm. So the free piece that I'm going to be giving, not giving away, but that's my marketing scheme. Like w with my company where I gave the report for free, right. the first one. And if it did good, you'll order more. It's the same concept. So I just say, it's a, so it's a software as a service. So it's a member, it's like a, um, like you pay a member, not a member, a thing you pay monthly for the mm -hmm. subscription. Sorry. So I will call you and say, and I haven't got so that's that's and I would love your input on it. Like, what's the free thing that won't kill me, right? Like, I don't want you to process. Like, I need to process ten libraries worth of book. Like, I can't do that. My computing cost will go through the roof. It would, it would be whatever it was that rises to the surface as far as an idea that most people would say, yeah, I would be interested in that. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, to start, yeah, uh, that yeah, that I could use. I could use that. I, I had a thought of like you're in the field and you have a service and you send out quotes to clients, and your your quotes are fairly standard. Like if it's this many square feet, it's this, or if this is the size of your pool, it's this. This is the price. You know what I mean? Like anything I can draw up metrics to. And so like you talk to a client and I say, hey, my name is Billy. I want a quote on a unit of four thingamabobs and you can say I'll, I'll get that what typically you have to wait till you go back to the office or you have to draft a, a quote that doesn't look like trash <laughs> right it has to be official and you send it to the client or potential client mm. so I was thinking as the free module is I I take your data and I equate what things cost I have a little form and so you just send something to the module and it sends the quote to the customer like that. And you didn't have to go to the office. It looks like it's from you. It could even have a timer on it so it doesn't come immediately because it's all about the how you look, right? You can't be too eager hmm. and do that for free. 
in, in that way because quotes in certain lines of business is I've done exportation, it's a pain, right? Getting a quote from a client, well, I'm not really sure about this. It's like, oh my God, how much does it cost? But if I could do that for you, then you don't have to spend two or three hours a day doing that type of work. Sure. And that's easy for me that I it wouldn't cost a lot on my end to do it, like fractions of a penny. And I give that to you for free for three months. Go gangbusters. And then I'm going to turn it off. And if it doesn't save you money, then no harm, no foul. And if it doesn't save you money, you didn't use it anyway. But if it does save you money, and I can see the metrics, I can see how much you're using it. Uh, so then you say, hey, man, how much is that? Like 500 a month? No, that one is 20 bucks a month. That's crazy. It affords them more money to do more stuff. You know sure. what I mean? Like, typically, those small businesses, and I've heard this time and time again, is I want to buy this piece of software, but it's $80,000, and I only use 10% of it. I only want to yeah. pay for the 10%. That's really true. Like AutoCAD, you only use a certain percentage of it, but do you pay for a certain percentage of it? No. And the whole shebang. Sorry. So that's where that's where I'm at right now. So I'm trying to find the free thing, and then... I'm going to market the free thing first as I work on other modules and then go from there and see what happens. Instead of in the past, I would have built out like 20 modules. Nobody would have used any of them. So this time I'm going with the freebie. And then if you like it, we'll talk about doing other stuff. I'll work feverishly to build more modules. And then slowly with my client base, they'll turn them on and off and I'll make money monthly without doing any work. Sounds great. Easier said than done. <laughs> Sorry. So what have you been doing? Well, not nearly as much as you've been doing, obviously. So. Well, none of that is... It's a lot of writing stuff down yeah. and not... Well, your your mind is going in the right direction. But it took... Um, it took a while. Like, how long have we talked about Cosmopod? Two months? Three? Really? Yeah. It's been a second. Okay. So it take. I mean, it's given me a new appreciation of because I had it on my schedule every day. I would get up and I would be like, "What am I doing? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" That's why I did all the brainstorming, and I was like, "I want to build like time travel stuff. Great, not gonna happen. I want to do uh, like robotics. Not gonna happen. You don't know anything about robotics aside from how to put wires together and program them, right?" Mm-hmm. No one's going to buy your stuff. You're not going to revolutionize a market where people will just bury you. People will bury me in software. That's why I'm targeting small, medium-sized businesses, not massive conglomerates, because I'll just get destroyed. So, yeah. But every day I would be like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I realized all that effort didn't mean anything. You have to wait for it to come to you sometimes. You put the ingredients in and you wait. Let it simmer for a while. Yeah, you're right. So it's it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I uh, I finished up the course I was taking last night. How was that? It was really good. Did you have a like graduation, or did you no, have to do no, a no, test? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no graduation. Um, very enlightening. Um, it's given me a lot to think about and to work on. Um. You know, I, I think about, as I was taking this, this course, I, it gives me a whole new understanding of the way the human mind works and how we, uh, as much as we would love to have complete freedom mentally to be able to run, strip down, full speed, no hindrances, um, that's just not the case. Because, frankly, I mean, we, we all have, to some degree, hindrances mm-hmm. mentally. Um, and, and so much of it is it's not anything that you can immediately identify and put your finger on. Um, and we're, we're very complex creatures. I was thinking about what you were saying in trying to create just simple things like programming something to turn on a light or whatever and it's far more complex than we realize then you stop to think about the way God created the brain (laughs) I mean 
talk about complex. It's just incredible, incredibly complex, but incredibly sensitive to Mm -hmm. sensory stimulation, to um, outside types of stimuli. You know, when you're growing up and there were different things that entered your life that affected you in ways that you had no idea that they would affect you. Uh, for good or for bad, you know, mm-hmm. you maybe uh, say you're raised in a good home where you get a lot of encouragement and praise for things and you're, you know, exposed to different things that will help you along your way. I mean, that that would be the ideal. That would be what everyone would, would want or hope for is to grow up in a very healthy environment where there's been lots of uh, things to, to stimulate you and cause you to grow and and point you in the right direction. You know, um, Chuck Swindle, I never forgot it. Um, he was talking about raising kids and he was saying, understand their bent, the way that they're, mm-hmm. the way that they think so that you know how you can encourage them in that direction. And not everybody has that benefit. Now, mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in a bad home at all. My mother and dad were very good parents in many, many ways. But they were also the product of their parenting. Uh, their, their parents and how they were raised and so nobody nobody comes into the arena unaffected by their upbringing mm-hmm. we all have stuff that we have to um, that we can be thankful for and some things we have to get beyond I've had a few things that I've needed to get beyond mentally um, and I think you know as we as we grow up if you've experienced a certain amount of of uh, angst over different things you you want to tend to you want to look normal you want to have a, a normal life where you're responding properly but sometimes that means that internally you go into self-protect mode a little bit because maybe maybe you struggle with um, criticism maybe you struggle a little bit with um, um, different fears and, I, and I'm not talking about it in the extreme case we can all think of you know extreme case situations where people are afraid of everything um there is a healthy fear obviously but then there's there's can easily you can easily cross over a line and become afraid of things and create giants you know and i I know you've had times when you and i've talked about different things and i said and, and you asked me and i said well wait a minute um i think you're creating a monster here you're creating a giant that doesn't exist yet because you don't know that you don't have enough information. And so I try to encourage myself as I've tried to encourage you to, to ask yourself, do I have enough information to come to the conclusion that I'm coming to? Mm-hmm. Or, or do I need to get more information? Um, well, and it's so freeing, you know, like being outside of your head. I, you know, I, um, this was this course this class was a very difficult thing for me to enter into uh, a long time ago but as I got older and I'm getting less caring as far as what others think which is really freeing in itself mm-hmm. when you get to a point where you're, well, you you still care. care I mean I'm not gonna lie I still care what people think and I think you ought to always because when you get to, if you get to a point where you really don't give a flip about what anybody thinks then nobody's gonna want to be around you because mm-hmm. then you've lost total you've totally lost your sensitivity to how you might be offending people. And, yeah. and obviously that's, that's a no, no. Um, so you never want to lose that entirely, but you don't want to cross over the line to where you allow yourself to be so influenced by others that you become afraid to risk things or to speak the truth. Maybe when you need to speak the truth because you're afraid of hurting people's feelings or, um, you try too hard to, figure out people and you say well i just want to you know i had a problem with that a little bit um your your grandfather my father-in-law was a very hard person to get to know and i really struggled with trying to get to know this guy and i wanted him to like me well everyone wants people to like them but you can cross a line there too Mm -hmm. to where you become a little bit obsessive to where that person liking you or not liking you becomes a little too important. Um, I think if you're secure in yourself that you're doing the right things and acting appropriately around people and all that kind of stuff, then you need to be able to tell yourself, well, I may not know what this person thinks about me, but 
I'm going to let that go mm-hmm. rather than obsessing over it and trying to do things to get them to like you, even though you, you can't tell from their body language whether they're, they're responding the way you want to or not. Well, in my experience, too, nine times out of ten, they didn't even think that. Yeah. You think, oh, they don't like me. Like this guy I work with, I was like, he doesn't like me. That's not the case at all. He actually did like me. So it's like all of it, like I said, like getting out of your mind. It's so hard for us, I think, because we're more analytical. And mm-hmm. so we'll, I don't like not knowing things. And this is something that I thought was strange history that just clicked. So I get super nervous. So I have the new, we have a new dog. Uh, so putting them together, my two dogs, makes me very anxious, like to the point where I have to leave the room. I can't see it because I'm scared something's going to happen. My wife, or not my she has the ability to slough that off. But when it hits the fan, I'm able to handle the situation very well, calm, collected, no issue. She will lose it. So I'm very capable of dealing with a situation that's actually happening. I'm incapable of dealing with a situation that I believe could happen. It's like when you saved our dog that one time mm-hmm. from the jaws of a... And knowing me and how anxious I get, that's not a behavior I would have assumed. But yeah. when it's happening, I can do it. But if they're, if the dogs get together, I, I can't. I, I get like, I can't function. I like have to leave. Like we brought the dog There's to our parents' house, and I was like, I can't do this. Well, this goes back to what I was saying. You, you, you create a mental scenario that is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Hasn't happened. But, but the potential is so potential is... palpable. I feel that it's going to happen. And and then my wife's like, you need to leave because the transference, even with an animal, that's why my dog would she would growl at me, because I was unsure. So I would look like hi, but even my voice was slightly wavering. She'd growl at me because to her it's confusing because she doesn't understand what I'm getting at. Am I mm-hmm. s- being sneaky? But now that I'm very firm with her, she lo- she needs that structure and guidance. It's just very interesting that I was like, that's what the thing is. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm just a mess when it's like potential of stuff happening. But when it's happening, I can do that all day. Well, and it's, um, I was talking to somebody last night and I've said this before, but it's really 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 uh, come home to me the the truth of it and that is when you're trying to find out things about yourself that you have mentally at some point in time hidden from yourself things that could maybe cause you pain or anxiety or whatever else you're you could very well be the last person that needs to go looking for it because you're the one that hid it mm-hmm. and and you obviously are going to hide things from yourself very well um, you'll purposely walk past the door that is holding the monster because you put the monster in there, and but you've also told yourself, don't look at that door, don't don't walk past that door, don't, you know. It's the same with projects when people have asked me, well, how is that going? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? It would almost make me upset because yeah. I was like, don't you get it? The idea is worth everything. And it's like, the idea is worth nothing. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to internalize. I, and I think that this course, um, and we'll, I'll talk about it with regards to my writing in just a moment, but um, it's really helped me to become, as some would say, a student of myself better. Because there's been a lot of things about myself that uh, I really couldn't figure it out. Well, why do I do that? Or why do I think that way? Or why does this make me kind of anxious or why do I why am I afraid to do this whatever and and to not have an answer to know why it really makes it difficult to combat it because you're just saying well I know I shouldn't feel this way but I can't quite figure it out and that's why I don't know if I shared this with you last time but when I heard uh, it was uh, Chuck Swindoll no, mm-hmm. no it wasn't it was Charles Stanley who had a sermon and uh, he was talking about um, he just had this issue and he couldn't figure out what it was um, and so he got a couple of guys together and he said hey um, I need you to get together with me because I, I really could use your, your wisdom and so he gathered these guys together they went away to a place where they could just spend some time and uh, the short of it all 
these guys helped him to see something that he had that happened to him a long time ago and it had to do with his father who I think passed away when he was very young but there was something absent in his life because his father wasn't there that had played a role in his being able to emotionally connect and so um, he went back home and he'd been in the ministry for quite a while and preaching a lot of sermons and um, he said I looked up all my sermons that I preached on love and love of God and so forth and he said I only found one and it was mediocre at best and what I realized was that that absence in my life really had affected my ability to emotionally connect on a level with God that I really needed and so I, I say that to bring up this whole issue of there's things within us that it really helps if, and sometimes it takes outside help to be able to pinpoint things in your, why you do some of the things you do, uh, particularly if you want to stop them. Um, and so that's where I've been with this course. Now, as far as it relates to my writing, I've always, I've always wondered, because again, this goes to that question of why do I do what I do? Why is it that I started writing this book Good night. Ten years ago, whenever it was, I started writing it, and I've got so many rewrites of it, and yet I never finished it. And that really bothered me. And it bothered me mostly because I never could quite figure out why. Mm-hmm. Why did I have I never finished this? And, and I think that I've been learning why through this time where I've gotten this outside emphasis coming into my life through this course and through talking to people who were asking some of the hard questions and um so you tell the dudes about writing stuff i didn't tell them about that but i told them about enough things that really kind of touch on on uh, on that to where um you begin to get insights that you never saw before and you know at my age you're thinking why have i never seen that Mm -hmm. before well i know maybe i i i never Rather never really put it together. I don't think that it. Honestly, I think that it's sometimes it's that you have to be ready. Well, in 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 this course itself, um, I mentioned this to some of the people there last night. We were just kind of talking offline, and I I said, you know, this is a great course. It's been great for me. Uh, there are a lot of people that could really benefit from this, but as you say, I don't think they're ready. Yep. And I wasn't ready a long time ago. Or not that long ago, wasn't really ready for it. Um, I was going to fix it myself. The problem is, is that I haven't been doing very well at it, trying to fix the way I've um, been approaching this whole thing with my writing. But actually, it turns out that there are roots in all of this that touch many areas of my life, and it's not just my writing. Yep, it's my relationship with everyone. Yes, and um, so you know. Well, in the in the the struggle at times can be well, you know, God doesn't God want me to use my gift? It do, it seems like if it was my gift, it would be easy to use, and it wouldn't just feel like it's it's this birthing process. Even though you're really good at it, even though I'm really good at what I do, it feels so it's such a struggle, and I don't know if it's you know little piddly things I can just knock them out because. To me, I look at it from, you know, start to finish, get it done. But because I think it, this is such a, so close to our, who we are, it, you want to nurture it and you, you want, I, I just gotta, I, I gotta get it right. I gotta do it. And, and, and learning to step outside yourself and say, yes, God gave you this gift, but God expects you to use it, not bury it in the sand either. So that's the, that's where I struggle with at times, like God realizing God gave it to you and that it's not you're you're only a steward of it right and i and i think if you when you begin to understand your motivation for the things that you're doing let's say you're using your gift like for years i i was really working at trying to get it together with my singing because many had told me that i had a, a good voice and so i wanted to do that and yet there was this incredible fear i would do it but it was like more out of like guilt. I need to do this. Uh, there wasn't that freedom there. 
and I found myself continually looking for approval from others to say, yeah, that was really good to give me the, the, the courage to do it again, rather than just saying, I really love to sing. I, I want to do this, but I never could put that together as far as where that fear was coming from and how to get rid of it. And that's the thing. It was, um, it's baffling, but I think that the worst thing you can do, and this is one of the greatest things that I learned through taking this course, the worst thing you can do is go into hiding. You really need to be able to bring it out, even though all you're saying is, I have this incredible fear or anxiety or struggle, and I have no clue where it's coming from, but I would really appreciate your input. Now, part of that's praying with God, but it's also maybe going to somebody who can give you some honest feedback, who can ask some good questions, and can see it from an objective outside viewpoint, and they can say, hey, this, this, and this. Lastly, I will just say say this before I tell you where I'm going with the writing. Last night, one guy said something during the meeting that I thought was really good. He said, I guess one of the things I realized was I had no idea that some of the things in my past had impacted me as strongly as they had. You tend to play down those things. And... Like, well, that's just the way I am. Well, you don't want to feel, you don't want to throw guilt and say, well, maybe you had an issue with your dad or your mom or whatever, and you, and you feel guilty about blaming them. It's not about blaming them. It's it's about, at that tender age, how you received whatever happened, happened. And it wasn't that they were trying to be abusive or anything like that. It could have been them doing their very best as a parent. But it's how you received it and what you did afterwards. If if you didn't use that, if, if you didn't take that criticism or whatever it was that you got well and you buried something inside and you began to build walls and you began to compound your fears and, you know, putting on a mask or whatever it is that you're doing in order to cope with life, uh, you didn't handle that well. So realize that, okay, it started there. They happened to be there at the time. They happened to do whatever. Like I said, maybe a parent. But now you've got to figure out how you're going to respond to life now. And sometimes it does take a backward look. Anyway, going back to the writing thing. Well, so Heart of Man was from this group, right? Yeah. He suggested it. So, like, the interesting thing that I heard when he's saying, like, the fathers are the first people to teach you about yourself. Yeah. And then once that is removed, you're open to anything that someone will teach you about yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. But you're not going to realize, like the other guy that said it took 50 years to wipe the face of my father off the face of God. Like those types of things are just like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because how something is modeled for you dictates your view of the entire world and yourself. Well, and you can't go back in your mind to really feel everything that you did back then because you've experienced too much of life since then. But back at that time, if you if you can even remotely imagine what it must be like as a small child who has very little experience with the world and, and looks up to this person in ways that you never will again just because you're going to grow up, you're going to learn things. But at that time, you're very impressionable, as they say. You're like a blank slate to, to a certain extent. You're really looking for affirmation of yourself and your and your skills and everything else. And, and so you take words very strongly. You take looks sometimes very strongly. You take actions very strongly in ways that later on you can filter out and say, well, I've had enough life experience. I know how to, I know what box to put that in. Back then you didn't know. Well, and if it was uncomfortable, you just tried to move past it instead of really trying to think about why am I feeling this way? Like my wife's a therapist. So if I didn't, if I wasn't married to a therapist, typically I wouldn't evaluate my emotions of what is the core of why I'm feeling this way? Like, why does this make you upset? Why does this make you uncomfortable? Right. And trying to get the root of it instead of just treating the symptom, which is what I would always do before in my life of, oh, I don't like, that makes me anxious. I leave. Now I'm learning, okay, that does make you anxious, but you need to try to slowly introduce yourself more into those situations so that you can learn to cope with that type of stuff. Yeah. Because when you have kids, that was the aha factor for me. When I have kids, 
it's a hundred times worse. And you can't just this makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to leave. <laughs> right? That doesn't work. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that God will give me instincts that that overcome that, which I'm sure will happen. But yeah, when uh, that movie is incredible. Like I showed it to Daniela. And she was just like, wow. Like, it's great because she deals with that type of therapy situation. She enjoyed that. So she was like, wow, that was incredible. And I, it, it's a hard movie to watch. Yeah, it is. But it it, it hits it right on the head. And hmm. so, um, that I mean, that, that those types of things with regard to what you're talking about with strongholds and things like that that you've been doing at church, mm-hmm. that type of stuff really getting into it and really sitting down and purposefully looking at it is a very difficult thing to do. And, and that's the, that's, that's really important to remember. Um, we all want to be, like I said, stripped down free, running free and just totally being ourselves. But if there's some pain that you have to, to go into, it's like going into a dark cave uh, why would you do that unless you really, really, really believed that you were going to find something in there that you needed to find? Um, and that's where it is a painful process. Um, and quite frankly, we, we, we don't want to look like there's something wrong with us to others. We want to look healthy and whole and we look at others who we believe in our minds are being successful and, and we put them on a pedestal. But then we can easily find ourselves throwing a guilt trip on ourselves because we're not there. Well, what's wrong with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you are where you are. And, and it's... Um, well, and I heard a great quote on that note. Behind every successful man are the many, 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 many years that it didn't work out. Yeah. And that's the truth. Because you look at successful oh. people and you're like, wow, they're rich. Yeah, but... It's a yeah. struggle. So I, you know, this thing with the writing, I'm getting encouragement from different places like my next door neighbor. and and. Uh, but one of the things I don't want to do, and this goes back to doing something out of guilt rather than because you really want to. I really, I really want to do it because I want to rather than, well, you put in all this years, you really just need to finish it. Really? I, I think that's the wrong attitude to have about it. I want to have an attitude of I want to do this um, for me um, because I I love to do it or forget it. Don't let it be this this, um, weight hanging over your head like you have to do this. Ask the hard question, where is this coming from? Is this a desire that's coming from your heart or is it a guilt trip thing that is there that you need to get rid of because it may well be that I shouldn't write this book that I have to entertain that possibility if I discover that the motivation for doing it is is wrong so anyway I'm I haven't just cranked back up in the writing and that but I've well and a lot of good has happened I wouldn't worry about things that you can't control in the past is one of those yeah like all the years that I mean Good Lord, on the realm I've been on it for, what, two years? My friends just stopped asking about it. But let's see, what was the motivation for me to tell people? For people to think that I'm cool, I'm smart, I know what I'm doing. Well, I mean, if that's all if that's all it was for, then it did its job for sure. Well, but if you're doing it because you really love it and you really want to do it, sometimes it's it's hard to, like, relieve yourself of those at like all that pressure and I think we're talking a lot about self-discovery here that um, it's a good thing if you discover in the end that things about yourself that you really weren't aware of before that that's a good thing so, if you love something you let it go yeah and if it's I guarantee it so I did the same thing when I went to Austin and worked in a restaurant and said forget it I'm not doing engineering you can leave it but it's it'll come back because you can't, it's part of you. Yeah. It's just, you're relieving your, all the pressure involved. And that's good. So you're quitting writing. I'm quitting. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm going to be a hobo. (laughs) 
No, but that's 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 where I'm at right now. I'm not going to make any promises about next week or next. Well, month that'll be an interesting that. journey then yeah. to really. But I would challenge you to really. I'm going to spend some time to like asking that question. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and that's uh, that that's that would be a, a great goal for me to to shoot for this week and and to do that and just sit down and write out. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe wait for the, wait, maybe the inspiration, it'll come maybe out of the, I don't know. Yeah. It did for me, like for the realm, it just came out of nowhere. Like I was like, I want to do something with my skills again. And then it just, blah, 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 blah. that's how it came out, came to be. Well, that's it for me. So we'll see what happens next week. Yes.